This is David Lloyd, editor of There's Only One F in Fulham, and you are listening to the fabulous Fulham Focus podcast. Hello, welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name's Matt Boisclair and you join me a few days after the Whites' third Premier League relegation in seven years was confirmed earlier this week. And with three matches left to play, a preview of a meaningless match away at Southampton is the last thing we want to be doing and the last thing you want to be hearing. So, J-Mac's with me and we're also delighted to be joined by renowned Fulham bloggers Jack and Loz. So we thought we'd just chew the fat about Fulham for a bit. So let's do just that. Fulham. All right, well, firstly, Jack and Loz, thanks for joining us on the show. Welcome. Um, we've, of course, been relegated with three games left of the season. Guys, talk to me about how you're feeling about the season. Um, well, uh, from my perspective, I'd like to forget it ever happened. You know, and apart from the last match, we'll be going back and we'll be in the Championship. So can we just sort of think of it as a bad dream? Um, but it had such an inevitability about it. I mean, it was just, you know, it, it, the writing was on the wall, you know, before we even got up. I mean, anyone getting up with, through a playoff final, it's, you know, you're always on a hiding to nothing. I mean, it's the most difficult job in football, surely, to try and keep a team up that gets up to the Premier League through, the, through a playoff final. Um, and, you know, it was... You know, personally now, I just feel numb rather than sad. It's just, let's write this one off and we've got to learn from it. Jack, I don't know what, what you think. Yeah, no, feeling flat really more than anything else. Um, it's massively disappointing, but it's it doesn't feel as heartbreaking as it did last time or certainly not the time before that. I think partly because we all knew it was going to happen. It feels like it's been hanging over us ever since the end of the Villa game. And um, yeah, Monday was the final nail in the coffin. But in, in many ways, I was quite glad the the agony wasn't prolonged for a few more games. Yeah, it seems pretty sad, doesn't it? That you know we we got ourselves so close at, at one point, and then just by the end of it, you just kind of thinking, just put us out of our misery. This is this is just ridiculous. We don't want to carry it on to the Southampton game and potentially into you know the, the next couple of games as well just just put us out of our misery and then we can at least we know where we stand then Jay Mac how are you feeling mate well I mean as Loz just said it, it does feel like a bad dream we can almost pretend like it was because no fans in the stadium almost makes it feel like a bit of a write-off hopefully but um it, it was a nice a nice for Burnley to put us out of our misery in all honesty um I, I work as a delivery van driver and for the past few weeks I've been delivering food up at these high rises and I every time I go in the lift and I go up and then as I go back down again the lift keeps speaking to me and then says going down and um, I've been taking it personally quite a lot the past few weeks and I've just been sitting standing there in the lift just doing oh piss off just piss off to this automated computer voice but now um now I'm I, I I don't feel resentful to the lift anymore and I'm, I'm just happy it's done and we can hopefully make some serious decisions going forward as a for the better next season and hopefully the next promotion. Well, talking about serious decisions, um, 
Jack, where where do you stand on Scott Parker at the moment? Does he does he stay in the job for you, or are you fed up with him? I know there's quite a split among supporters. It would seem there certainly is in the in our Fulham Focus team chat, um, and I think you know social media is social media, and there'll be a meltdown on social media, whatever happens. But where where do you stand on Scott Parker? Yeah, he really divides the critics, um, both in terms of his dress sense and his management abilities. Personally, I was very much Scott in for most of the season, wavered a few times, was still Scott in until the point he brought Ruben Loftus-Cheek on with 15 minutes left of effectively our season to go. Um, Having said that, realistically, who else is going to come in and manage us and do such a good job? You know, he has done a good job. He's managed the defence really well. He's man-managed certain players really well, but perhaps he just didn't have the tools to do the job and his hands were partly tied behind his back by the people upstairs anyway. So overall, I would still be happy to see him in place for next season. And what of Tony Khan? He he doesn't necessarily divide opinion. I think he just walks around with a target on his back quite a lot. And uh, I I don't think he's the most popular man at at Fulham, but what, what do you make of him? Hard to say, isn't it? I mean, he's doing a job, except he's not really doing the job because he's doing two other jobs, which is surely too much for most people. Is he going to back down? Is he going to step away? I don't know. And how do you persuade somebody like that, that it is the right thing to step away? I mean, that's a nightmare. He's the boss's son. He's obviously got a bit of an ego to him. He thinks he's doing a great job. In some ways, he's done an okay job. But it needs somebody doing the job full time. And how about you, Loz? Where do you stand on the whole Tony Khan, Scott Parker thing? Uh, on Tony Khan, I mean, he, as you say, it doesn't really divide opinion. He's the director of football, but the, I, I actually looked up this week, what is the definition of a director of football? And, um, and basically, it's just an intermediary between the board and the manager. And the role of that intermediary can be anything from being an ambassador for the club or more of a hands-on technical job. Now, if he is the, the owner's son, he's, I, I, I don't begrudge him being an ambassador for the club and having the director of football title. So I think it comes down to what his actual day-to-day role is and his task. And I just think it is about him not getting involved on the technical side, the transfer side, and actually leaving that to people who actually have the knowledge and the interest to do it. So I feel it doesn't have to be Tony Khan out, which is never going to happen, let's face it. It's just about Tony Khan sort of having a much um, sort of more defined remit, which means giving more um, a, a, or allowing Scott and the team to have more decision-making themselves, particularly in relation to transfers. Now, in terms of Scott, I, um, you know, I just can't see what, how anyone else would do the job. I think he's invested in the club, he's committed, he's a serious, you know, sort of thoughtful type of guy, but he is massively respected by the and by the football sort of like fraternity, um, sort of like more widely, and every club bar Charlton have a, has a lot of time for him. You know, he's really highly respected. 
he is invested, unlike someone like a Sam Allardyce. He's not a mercenary, I don't think, like a Ranieri or a journeyman, like lots of them. And I, I, one, I don't think we can get anyone necessarily better. He's got a lot to learn. He's really, he's on a journey. I think we're better off not changing, but getting someone who can actually sort of like really grow with the club. But he is no way the finished article. As I say, he's got a lot to learn. Now, and I do think it's easy for us to sit on the sofa and criticise him. And there's been some decisions which I really haven't understood, like RLC, why he has thought he was been the best thing since I've I've no idea because I think most of the fans would not agree with that. Also, you know, his defensive style of play, his tactics have been very cautious. Some of his substitutions have been poor and way too late. You know, all of those things, you, know, you do sort of question what, what was the decision-making behind that. But having said that, I think he's going to have to learn from that. We have to go with him. So, and I just think chopping and changing is not going to do any good whatsoever. And I just think he's got heart and soul, but he needs to get the skills and he needs, he needs the right support, I think. So I'm a Scott in, but, you know, rather than just go for the automatic, easy solution by just getting someone else who a yol or a you know ray area or whatever no it didn't work i was debating over whether or not to turn this over to j mac because um you're backed into the corner here mate there's three against <laughs> yeah. one in versus out but i'm gonna, <laughs> do, I'm gonna do it anyway for the sake of balance so okay. where, now now it's uh now the final nail in the coffin has been banged in what are your thoughts on on scotty your your fave i like Scott Parker very much as a person. I like him very much uh, as um, a re- uh, I love his rhetoric. I love um, his fashion sense. Um, I personally feel a bit sick now of saying myself and everyone saying he's like, you know, oh, but he's learning. Um, he, I personally think him and Matt Wells were Spurs under 18 coaches that won the lottery in the playoffs last season. And, had Mitrovic papering over the cracks of their very boring, uh, very, very boring style of football. Um, the 25 goals in 35 games is the second worst in this season. The conversion rate is 4.6%, the second worst of this season of the league. Um, we've gained two points from losing position. That's the worst. And only eight, 18 times we've gone behind and not responded. So I personally am very much Scott out, but I do think he'll be given until November to prove himself that he can uh, push on from this. I do think it's interesting though, because I, I agree with Jackie and Luz that we, we don't want to, stability is very, very important, incredibly important. And I feel like while we have Scott, we've got someone who knows the club. Yes. And but also the most important thing is uh, working with Tony Khan and knowing how uh, just, just how, rigid that relationship can be at times and if you bring in a manager with lots of pedigree like a Nuno or a Bielsa or a Slavisa you're going to have this ego that comes in and there's going to be problems again uh, with the board and you're going to be playing Johansson as false nine but but I do think what's interesting is that I think with Parker's comments after the game saying that I know you know some big decisions need to be made we can't go on this roller coaster again he's obviously referring to the transfers as well I, I mean there could be, I'm not fully convinced that Scott Parker's going to stay and not because he's going to leave. I'm not convinced the Khans are going to keep him. They've sat managers for a lot less before. And I mean, there are rumours that they're not happy with what the tools he's been given. Although in my opinion, some of the tools were pretty terrible. 
but yeah, I just I don't think it's completely. I don't think it's a given. Scott Parker's uh, not going to get sat by the cans, to be honest. But I, I as long story short, I don't really want him to stay. But I think he's got until November to to prove to to me and to all his doubters that he can attack in a very convincing way to get to the automatic promotion. I guess the recruitment drive is going to be the the main thing over the summer. But just for me, the the nepotism that is kind of abhorrent in the, the reporting lines within this club is is the real problem with with what we've got. And you know, I don't I, I don't want to get on Tony Khan's back because it's easy. Um, and like I said um, to anybody who listened to the the instant reaction we did to to the Burnley uh, game when we were relegated the other day. It's, he does himself absolutely no favours with the way that he conducts himself um, and doesn't really talk that fondly about Fulham and he's never really made the effort with, with the fans either. And you don't necessarily have to, but as Loz just said, if, you know, part of, part of the role of director of football is ambassador and I don't see that he's any kind of ambassador for the football club that I support um and and it's it's just a real shame and it it could work i i think the the whole stats model done properly with the right scouting infrastructure around him and letting the manager in to kind of suss out the players and make sure that there's the right balance of uh, of team spirit and character in the dressing room then it could work but i think he just likes swinging his dick around a bit too much for me and I, I'm, I'm not a fan, and I'm not a fan of, of the whole setup. Um, and all the while, it continues in in its current format. I think we're always going to be stuck with this with this same problem. He's still very quiet as well. I mean, he hasn't said anything on Twitter regarding Fulham since March, which is mm. very very interesting. And he still hasn't said anything. Now we've been officially relegated. Um, you know, I just. A lot of things could happen in the next few weeks. He could step, take an unofficial step down that doesn't, for his ego, doesn't seem as degrading as it is. Or Parker could leave. I don't think he will. No, I don't think he will. But you just, you just don't know. He's been incredibly quiet. And with the Jags recently, with their, with their draft and getting this new high flying player, AEW doing very well. I, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens. Actually, I think it's going to be interesting few weeks. I'm more than happy for him to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> so anyway, um, we choked at the absolute vital part of the season, having got within touching distance of getting out the bottom three. Jack, why did things start to go so wrong just as we got ourselves in such a promising position a few games ago? It just doesn't make sense, does it? We had three chances, was it, to get out of the bottom three? At one stage, we were only 18th on goal difference. Um yeah, where did it go wrong? You know, we 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 had that run of games that should have been the games that that got us back up the table, the Villa, um, Wolves and Leeds. And we, we just we just didn't cope with any of them. I mean, Leeds are a hard team to play against, so it's perhaps not altogether surprising that that game went a bit wrong. But Villa, you know, we had them on the ropes and then they just came straight back at us and we couldn't deal with it. And as for Wolves, you know, they were there for the taking and we didn't take them. So, yeah, what happened to the team, the team that beat Everton, that beat Liverpool, that looked so strong? What went wrong that when they could have actually saved themselves, they just didn't seem able to do it? It it needs a a psychologist, I think, rather than a blogger to, to suss that one out. Yeah, that's that's a fair comment, I think. But 
I just look at all those missed opportunities, you know, even I'm even thinking back to that Liverpool game and there were a couple that Lutman had and, you know, we got ourselves into some good positions on the pitch to score some goals and we just, we fluffed our lines far too, far too many times. And I don't necessarily think it was the boring negative football that was the problem, but it was just the quality of the players in those vital positions at the, at those times that just, just missed, um, Look at Mitrovic being left out, playing Caviero up front for um, a large part of the season. I guess you you have to blame the manager, but as we as we keep saying, we don't know what's gone on behind the scenes with Mitrovic. But it must have been something pretty awful to to be left out in, instead of Caviero, who you know can't finish his dinner. What what do you make of it, Loz? I mean, as Jack said, you do need a psychologist. Um, I've got I've got no idea. I mean, you can say, is it inexperience? Was it the pressure? Uh, we couldn't, obviously couldn't impose any authority on sort of key matches. Was it a changing team because there was a lack of consistency? But that's the whole idea about having a squad. Um, but then some of the matches, I mean, you've just cited quite a few, but what about West Brom when we were 2-0 up? We were all over them the first time we played them. And then, and then, then we completely capitulated the second half and we were lucky to get a draw. I mean, it was just ridiculous. I, I don't understand because we, we started the season with the championship playoff team and a crap defence and everyone's going, we need defenders, we need defenders. So we get defenders and then we get Tosin and Anderson, the best, you know, sort of centre-back partnership we've had since Pangolins and Hughes. And everyone thought, brilliant, we're home and dry, midfield's not looking too bad, forget RLC. But, you know, and and we just need to sort of like work on that. We had Bobby scoring some goals, Lookman looked good. And then just in the latter half, or latter third, when it's crunch time, um, what happened to our defence? Never mind our attack. Obviously, we haven't scored the goals. That's the key thing. That's why it's just so appalling. There are, there are, I don't know how many matches where we didn't score at all. And I think it was only against Leeds at the beginning of the season when we actually scored three goals, when we lost 4-3. But other than that, we have didn't score more than twice, I think, in, in a match. So, you know, very, very low goal scoring. But I don't understand this sort of Tosin Anderson, the defensive partnership just in the latter stages when we had one of the best defences. And then that got all leaky, just really sort of bad mistakes. And, and you know, as, as we've said, Cav is Cav. Metro is a Metro mystery. You know, COVID, missed penalties, him not getting service, him not getting played. You know, it's um, Madger tried but you know wasn't given much of a chance and how good was he i don't know um so you know i, I think it needs a lot of a lot of working through because even if we just kept the defense as solid as it was you know from um you know a big chunk of the season we would have been in a better position um you know we wouldn't have lost to arsenal we wouldn't have um uh, you know lost to wolves well we didn't lose to Arsenal, but um you know we would have got those points and yeah, but the quality hasn't been there. I mean, a lot has gone off the boil. Frank's got a bit off the boil. Um, and I and I and I don't know whether it was just because it was the, so the pressure or inexperience. Uh, who knows? Guys, I want to I want to keep talking about the players for a second, and I want to ask you all of you actually bring you back in on on this J Mac as well. Which players come out of this season with their professional dignity intact? Do you think? Is that a little bit of a harsh question, maybe? I don't know if it's... 
I don't think it's a harsh question at all because we've just been relegated. So I think it's fair enough to to ask who who smells the least of of poo throughout all this. I mean, I would say personally, I would say Ariola has come out with his dignity intact. I would say Harrison Reed has, and I would say Joachim Anderson has. Um, possibly Lookman because he scored some key goals, but because of the Panenka, I'm going to say no. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with those three. That can help I think the, the likes of Lookman have been one of the problems this season, and it drives me mad every time I hear them talking about it on on Sky. They're talking about, oh, well, Lookman's been brilliant. He hasn't been brilliant. He's been ab bang bang average. He scored a couple of goals in a dreadful team, but wow. he's a selfish bastard <laughs> who uh, makes the wrong decisions at key points in the game. And he's supposed to be our flair player, and that's part of the problem. And I also think part of the problem is the fact that Bobby Reed was, has been our top goal scorer. You know, you look at Bobby Reed and think he's not a Premier League player, and we say, well, you know, he's done all right. And the fact that he's one of the players that we're looking at as being one of our better players this season tells you everything you need to know about Fulham this season. Yeah. Um, and you're right, actually, we've just been relegated. So I think we're well within our rights to rip into these players. And I agree with you, Ariola and Anderson. Possibly Tosin to a certain extent um, have all been have all been very good this season. Olaiyina as well, but there's been so many disappointments in in that side. All of the forward players have been disappointing, and that's reflected in the lack of goals this season. But for me, if we're sniffing around Adam Ola Lutman to bring him in permanently for 15 million quid, I'd, I'd rather shred the money. Than, yeah. than spend it on Lutman, to be honest. Let I someone think, else, let him be someone else's problem. I think Lutman started off very well and just faded. And I think he faded because potentially because of uh, Parker's tactics. But I mean, he's also returned home. He's a Wandsworth boy, I think. Or he's certainly he's certainly a Londoner. But I, I don't know. I mean, if you buy a, a forward from Leipzig who is getting an average goal return, you're going to get an average goal return here as well. Mm. So, I mean, the recruitment, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? But when, when you talk about left-wingers at Fulham with flair and pace, Adam Ola-Lutman just isn't even fit to lace the likes of Lewis Boehm Orto's boots. And that's the sort of player we're used to seeing. And that's the level. That's that's where we're comparing. And Adam Ola-Lutman, just an average championship player at best, I'd say. He's got pace, that's about it. Jack and Loz, let me bring you in here. Who? Well, I mean, feel free to rip into some players if you want to. Or sing their praises. I think I'd agree with J-Mac about um, player of the season is between Ariola and Harrison Reed. The two of them have worked really hard, played really well, given everything to the cause. Um, Anderson has done well. He's tailed off the last few games, but perhaps he was in, entitled to that in some ways. Um, other than them, I think I think Tosin is one for the future in many ways. I think maybe the Premier League was was too early for him this season. I think another season for him in the championship, get him to mature just a little bit more, and then he'll be a real Premier League player after that. Um, Aina, I agree with you, actually, of, of most of the loanies, he, he's been good. He's worked hard. He's contributed a lot. He seems to have just got his head down and got on with it. Um, beyond that, you know, <laughs> I hate to mention RLC because it's just, you know, it just makes your blood pressure grow up doesn't it to even think about him but I think the most annoying thing is when you're watching and the commentator says something like oh I, I can't believe he missed that because you know he's got all this ability and you think 
Have you never watched this man play football before? He has almost no ability. How we ended up with him, how we ended up with this stupid contract where we have to keep playing him, you know, that's been one of the worst things about this season, without a shadow of a doubt. I, I could go on in this vein, but I will stop. Fair enough. How about you, Lars? Your turn. Ariola is the, is the top guy. I mean, he, you know, is the one that can walk into any Premier League team that wants him, really. I think Anderson was brilliant. As I say, he's tailed off. Um, but I, I, and that's a shame because, you know, he, he has overall had a good season with us. Um, but none of them are really good enough. Like, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying about Lookman. It's just sort of, he's just sort of faded out and, and, the quality just wasn't there. And just the drive, as you said, there's a sort of a selfishness to him. Uh, you know, I, I just feel like the, the sort of like the footballing brain wasn't as connected as it needed to be. Um, I mean, others, you know, the the uh, the soft side of me liked Lamina crying at the end of which match was, was it. And but and people would say, oh well, you should have bloody you know tried harder. But you know, he he, he you know he had good moments, less good moments. I mean, the other night, he was very versatile, as everyone said, um, when he, he was sort of like shifting position. Um, no, I think the, there's not many that can really sort of like leave the sort of dignity intact. I think Tom Kearney is probably thinking, well, I'm glad I wasn't part of that, so I'm not associated with another relegation by, sort of from the Premier League. Um, so I think very few. It's, uh, you know, it, it's not... That I think they weren't trying, they just weren't good enough, ultimately. Would you continue to use the loan players for the last couple of games of the season? Or do you think it's time to start bringing the players that are going to be important to us next season back into the side now? Or is that just taking the piss a little bit out of the players that we're going to have to use again next season that we haven't used this season? Well, my view is, I, I don't think we should be punishing the players that were on the pitch the other night for you know, getting us relegated. It's just sort of like, it's a, you know, we have a, a squad of, of players that we, we need to use. And I've heard, you know, lots of people saying, oh, we should just take the youngsters on for the last matches and sort of like give them a few a few games. But uh, but I've also heard that, you know, that could be quite scarring when you sort of put these youngsters against Man U and then they have, you know, their first experience of a Premier League match is like a huge defeat at Old Trafford or something. So, um, so I would mix it up. I would just sort of, you know, obviously we're not playing for anything, but I wouldn't necessarily, my view is just make it a simple, right, all the loanies sit out and we just use the sort of players we're, we're going to be keeping hold of for next season. So I mix it up, but don't, it shouldn't be a punishment, you know, it's, you know, so I don't think it's a solution. Just going back to Lamina there really quickly, um, I'd like to see him play. I feel like Lamina has actually been one of the players that's... There have been a few transitions, really. Lutman started off really well, and now I can't really stand him. Um, Aina had the worst three games ever uh, at the beginning, and now I really like him. And Lamina, I didn't think much of, and questions of what does he offer. And I I think there was a nice side to to his tears when we, uh, we lost that game. I agree. And I've, I'd like to see more of Lamina, but at the same time, we've now actually got a preseason on our hands for next season in the championship. And I think it's very wise to use that correctly. A preseason, actually, which we all need to remember that we didn't have this season. 
Not that that probably would have saved us from relegation, but it, pre-seasons are very important. I think I'd like to see someone like Lamina back in. I, I don't know if he'll stay. I really highly doubt that. But I think it's very important at the same time to maybe get Cavalio in and just so we can just really make sure and just see what these players can do next season as well. But yeah, um, I, I keep Anderson um, definitely. Um, I think Anderson owes it. Like, I'm sorry, not owes it. We owe Anderson a nice round of applause for the, when fans are in the Newcastle game because he's probably been all of our favorite, one of our favorite players this season. Him and Ariola, so definitely keep those two. All right. Well, I mean, Mario Lamina won't be available for Saturday anyway because he's he plays for Southampton, doesn't he? So he's. Um, I was going to say cup tied then, or whatever you want to call it. He just won't be allowed to play. Harrison Reed's injured, so Josh Onimer's likely to start. I think Josh Onam is likely to be an important player for us again next season. But do you think he's likely to be pissed off at having such limited opportunities this season, Jack? I think it depends how he and others like Joe Bryan have been managed by Scott. What's it like when you were part of a championship playoff winning team? A good team. You were a good player, very good player in the championship for both of them, actually. And then you get promoted and it doesn't really work out and people are brought in and you're sat on the bench or in some cases you're not even on the bench. How does that work? I mean, to be honest, I often wonder this about professional footballers anyway. You know, you want to play in the Premier League, you end up in a Premier League team, but you're not actually playing. Is it is it enough to be part of it and to enjoy the training and enjoy the money? Um but I, I don't know. I mean, certainly Joe Bryan doesn't seem the type to be driven by money. Don't know about Josh. Don't think that's why they're here. Um, so, you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing both of them next year. And I hope that they've been managed well enough this year to be able to give everything to the club next year. There was a really nice piece with uh, Joe Brown and ESPN earlier about his mental health, which I found very interesting. I, I, I don't know if that's potentially some reasons why we haven't seen enough of him this season. It might just be because he's not up to the quality as maybe to the speed of the Premier League. But I think Onomo um, is an interesting one. I feel like we should maybe have seen more of him this this half of the season. Uh, he was injured in the first half. That's why he wasn't in the 23 or 25-man draw, whatever it was. So big part to play next season, as you say, Frenchy, because obviously he's Parker's protege, as it were. So yeah, I'd be interested to see that. That's yeah, I was just about to say that actually about, about Josh Onomer being Scott Parker's man, isn't he? And definitely got the best out of him last season in the championship once he got going. And I, I'd expect that Scott would have managed him. I would hope that Scott's managed him appropriately this season so that he can just hit the ground running and show that sort of form next season as well. All right. Um, well, we normally we normally talk a bit about the game that's about to happen with Southampton, but I really can't be bothered. If nah. I'm honest with you. Um, but let's let's have a score prediction. Let's have a, a quick whip round and have a, have a score prediction anyway. So, Jay, Matt, what what are you thinking? Um, it would be very Fulham for us to win. So I'm going to say we're going to win two one. Even though even though Southampton uh, had a very good result against Palace and Danny Ings is scoring from again. They play for, I don't know why I'm pretending, <laughs> just going through their formations and the form table. We don't need to do any of that rubbish now. So, yeah, it's just 2-1, we'll win it and it'll be very, very pointless. But nice all the same. One thing we forgot to mention, actually, the other night was our formation at the end of the Burnley game. It was like six up front, wasn't it, or something? It was <laughs> crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, just going back to the park, I mean, like the, the formation to begin with was kind of weird because it almost was a 4-4-2. I don't know why we were crossing. It just, we were pl- almost playing Burnley at their own game. It made no sense. Anyway, 
carry on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, Jack and Loz, what are you thinking for, for the Southampton game then? Are we going to somehow pull a result out of the bag just when we didn't need to? I mean, we did this last time, didn't we? After relegation was confirmed against Watford, we then won three on the bounce. Yeah, I can see that happening as well. Um, I'll go for 1-0 to us. Nice. Okay. And Loz, for you? Yeah, it was Scott that, that got a lot of the wins, wasn't it, when we were relegated as well last time round. But, um, well, we drew nil-nil with Sanders, didn't we, last time? Because that was after we got, did nil-nil Brighton when we said we'd never do nil-nils at the cottage. And, yeah. then, like, and no one came along, you know, the match. So, um, I don't know. I, I still wonder where we're going to get these goals from. But we just don't seem to be able to get any on target. So... I'm, I'm not sure how it's suddenly going to change. So I would like to think it's very sort of like the typical Fulham thing for us to sort of like now win. But then I thought the other night a typical Fulham thing would be for us to win 1-0. And I just thought, oh, this is just going to be horrendous because of the whole, you know, put us out of our agony thing. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm being depressed. I'm sorry, but I think it's going to be nil-nil. Another one. <laughs> Ah, what a thriller. I'll definitely stay in and watch that on Saturday afternoon then. <laughs> yeah. You know um, it does make you think, should you even bother? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not going to watch it. I'll catch the highlights on Match of the Day and fast forward it through to the Fulham goal. So I'll just fast forward it straight through. Um, uh, I, for me, I, I think we're going to lose. I, I do. I just, last time when, um, when, we, when we won a few games, we had Ryan Babble who knew where the goal was. This time, we've got even Caballero and Adamola Lutman, who are just donkeys, to be honest. At least we haven't got Kamara in the squad at the moment, but we look forward to his wayward shooting next season. This season does really make you realise how lucky we were to have Ryan Babel. And I remember at the time being quite a sort of, not underwhelmed by him. He's always scored a few goals, that's good. And even Andre Schurler, who I couldn't stand that season. I mean, I, I wish we had him now. <laughs> it's just it's, a, it's a, quite a turnaround, isn't it? But yeah, I'd love to have Ryan Babel right now. Yeah, yeah. No, All right. I, I have to say, Sherla, nightmare. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. I, I feel like it's a very similar vibe with Sherla this season as it is with uh, last season, as it uh, with RLC this season. He seems like that sort of similar haunting player yeah. for a lot of people. I, I'm completely with you there. Must be the yeah. Chelsea connection. Yeah, yeah this, 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 I think it's that. <laughs> We've had some good players from Chelsea over over the years, but those two have been duds, haven't they? Let's be honest. All right, guys, let's leave it there for this time. Jack and Loz, thanks for coming on the show. Where can people find your blog? So we are on Twitter. We are Jack and Loz, and our most recent blog is always our pinned tweet. Obviously, our most recent blog is about relegation, so you may or may not want to read it. Oh, no, definitely, definitely go and read it for sure. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Thank you very much, ladies. Uh, thanks for listening at home. J-Mac will be back on Monday morning to talk you through a host of Miss Fulham chances at St Mary's. We'll debate the hot topic. Will Fulham ever score a goal again? Speak to you soon. Cheers. Fulham.